I want to speak a message this morning in these exciting times about managing internal resources. I don't think there's a person alive in the last few years that hasn't felt like the last few years have dealt us some body blows. It has been emotional, it's been taxing, it's been uh, psychologically draining. And so, so many things are happening and so many challenges have come and so many things have picked away at our reserves. And that's why I believe the Lord is saying at this season, it's time to come and build up your reserves, time to get some oil, time to fill your life again with the presence of God and the fragrance of God and let his voice permeate our hearts. And so that's what really the message is about, is this management of our internal reserves. And I don't think there's a single person listening to me that doesn't understand. One of my favorite scriptures in Isaiah 55 verse 3, which says in the NIV, it says, Give your ear to me, uh, listen that you may live. Um, the uh, uh, Passion Translation says, Pay close attention to me, come closer and hear so that your whole soul may flourish. I like the living version though, the best. It says, come to me with your ears wide open for the life of your soul is at stake. The simple illustration I want you to imagine is if I had a big 44 gallon drum and I started to fill it with water, that represents the reserves of my life. And then I had somebody come and they drilled a hole in the bottom and they put a pipe in and that started to drain some of the resources out. That was, people said, I need something to drink. And I was pouring out of my life into them and they were getting blessed. And, and uh, the, the problem is that at whatever level my bucket was filled at, now is slowly draining away because there is an output. And so I have to see to an input. If I, if I just leave that situation as is, this bucket will eventually drain. That's what the scripture says. Even young men will grow tired and weary. It doesn't matter how gifted you are, how filled you are, how, how amazing your resources are, they will find their limit. And so if your output is just constantly demanding and the speed of that output, how many people are, are requiring something of you, uh, emotional energy, spiritual energy, uh, passion, uh, that'll drain your bucket quicker. So the simple issue is when, when my bucket is being drained, I have to go find somehow, some place where I can replenish. And this is the basic little idea. If my pipe that's replenishing me is a two-inch pipe and the pipe that's going out is a one-inch pipe, I'm getting more in than I'm giving out, I'm going to eventually overflow. If I have a two-inch pipe that's draining me, but only a one-inch pipe that's sustaining me, uh, I am slowly going to get uh, emptier and emptier as a person. Many of us have felt like these few years have been drawing on our resources, and our input hasn't been as large as our output. The simple truth is, uh, if you manage these two, what comes in and what goes out, uh, you can sustain a healthy, beautiful lifestyle if you get these out of balance, uh, especially if you allow yourself to be drained. That's not a good place for any of us to live. And it's not the place that Jesus called us to live. So we have to sit down and ascertain what is a net gain and what's a net strain. What are the gainers and what are the strainers? What creates life and pours into me and what drains and takes away from me? 
Not everything that takes away from me is bad or wrong. Some of the people I minister, I absolutely love ministering to me, but it takes something from me. Even Jesus walking in a crowd felt a, a, a woman touch him and he felt power go out of him. Something left him. There was a strain. There was a drain on him because of somebody's faith. So not all drain is negative. I'm going to say that. Um, but because we're called to give and minister and pour out into other people's lives. The problem is not that we do that. The problem is that we're not replenishing. And so learning to manage these two, the input of my life and the output of my life is an important issue. And you say, but Greg, aren't we supposed to minister to other people? Yeah. But you can't give what you don't have. The, the old saying, you can't lead where you won't go. You can't teach what you don't know. But you can't give what you don't have. And sometimes uh, I just don't have it to give. If somebody came to me and asked me for 10 minutes of a listening ear, I can give that. If they said, I want $10 million, I can't give that. And so when I come to a place where I don't feel like I have, a, I have, a, I have it to give, I'm freed from the obligation. And uh, I, I find that many, many people are sitting in a situation in these days where uh, when they used to be able to give, they no longer are. Um, and we've seen that now with people who are really willing and going, I'd, I'd really like to help, but I, I want to help serve there. I want to go there, but I just need a little more time. It just speaks to this reality of people needing to fill their buckets up. They're going to be people and there are going to be activities that pour into your life that minister to you, that expand you, that inspire you, that encourage you. And those are the things we need to be focused on right now. And there are going to be people and there are going to be circumstances of things that drain you. And for you to discover which one is an important issue. So some of you, right now, the, the whole price of admission is going to be worth it uh, for this morning. So if you just sat down with a piece of paper, drew out what drains me, what pours into my life. What is a gainer and what's a strainer? And, and, and divide that page into people and activities. These kinds of people or these people specifically pour into my life and bless me. These people drain me and I need to limit my access to them at, in this season. This discovery is an important issue and it's worth taking half an hour to find it out as a family or as an individual. Because we, we need to learn how to press in to those people and, and issues that pour into our lives. And we need to learn how to withdraw from those that constantly drain us. Now, Richard Foster in his great book, Restoring Your Spiritual Passion, talked about five types of people. And I found this to be extremely helpful in my life. He said, number one, you have very resourceful people, VRPs. These are the kinds of people that ignite your passion. When you get with them, you come out enlarged and inspired and enthused and ready for life. They, they are resourceful. They ignite you internally. These are the great kind of people. If you have some of those in your life, nurture those relationships. They're extremely valuable. The second type of person, Foster said, you find is very important people. These are the kinds of people that share your passion. Uh, you come in, you share, they're engaged, they're, oh, they feel like they're a similar capacity. They enjoy and share and celebrate in the things that you're passionate about. It's very important to spend time with those people too. 
then he said that your VTPs, you have what you call very trainable people. These are the people that you ignite their passion. They, they look to you with, uh, with eyes of expectation. When you share, it makes sense to them. They come alive. And the beauty of seeing somebody else's eyes shine and, and get excited and you seeing them come alive does something in you. So very trainable people are also somebody that we really want to engage with. Then he said you get VNPs, very nice people. These are the people that clog up the halls of life and they're very nice and they're very kind and uh, they say the right things at the right time but they don't do a lot. They use the passion you share with them and there's very little result. And these are nice people and nice people to be with but if you're on a mission they're probably not the kind of people going to help you get there. And then you get VDPs, very draining people. And these are the kinds of people that drain your passion. They they constant drainers, they constant complainers, they're constantly pointing out your mistakes and your faults and where you could have done better. And so I want to talk just briefly about so those, those types of people, for example, for you to discover what activities and what kind of people are, are net pouring into you and who's taking out of you. Because you and I need to learn to manage these two, manage the input into our lives manage the output of our lives. And that's what we're talking about today. Let's start with thinking this through in terms of managing input in our lives. I just want to say that we have to go and find resources. We need to find refreshing for our souls. And as we've seen in the scriptures, not everything that uh, is refreshing to our souls is spiritual. Sometimes there's intensely practical stuff like good food, uh, having enough exercise, getting to sleep at the right time. Uh, there are some intensely practical things and if you've been abusing some of those things for a long period of time, they are going to have an impact and drain you. So I'm, I'm, not everything we're talking about today is, is spiritual, but I do want to focus on the spiritual things. And so if I'm going to manage the input, I need to let the anointing of God's word rub off on me. This means I'm going to look for life. I need the oil of God to be poured into me. I need the encouragement of God. I need my soul to be soothed. I need my thirst to be slaked. I need a lot from heaven. And God has imbued and in, in, infused his word with a bunch of profound things. And so one of the things that we need to draw near, he's anointed it with wisdom and peace and joy, suffused it with encouragement and hope and the glory of God abides on the word. God, your God, the Bible says of Jesus, uh, because you loved righteousness and hated weakness, therefore God, your God, has anointed you with the oil of joy. Jesus' name is the word of God. The word of God is anointed with joy. And so the more I get into the word of God, the more I let it rub off on me, that anointing of peace and wisdom, of hope and of joy and the sense of the glory of God rubs off into my life. Friends, I, I wish there was a more profound thing that I could be saying right now that would impress you. I'm just telling you that you need to engage with the word of God on a personal level. You need to read it. You need to write it. You need to say it. You need to pray it. You need to meditate on it. You need to sing it. You need the word of God in your mouth and in your mind and in your life. 
And that means you have to crack open the Bible every night again. You have to read it through and you have to read wherever the Lord leads you. And and I'm just telling you that if you're about uh, gathering some oil, the oil of intimacy at this time, we need to be gained back with the word of God. One of my great concerns about our generation as it's growing is that we're so tuned to the social mores of our time through social media. We're so connected. We're so in, uh, interested in what other people are saying. Where are the people who are interested in what God has to say? And there needs to be a wholesale turning again to the word of God to say, what do you want to say to me? So I just want to say to you, you should open the Bible somewhere in the New Testament and start reading and ask the Holy Spirit, where would you like me to read and just follow what he says. But let the anointing of the word of God rub off on you. It isn't vitally important at this time. Greg, how do I manage my input? Number one, I carve out some time for the word of God. You'll be amazed at how that word has the power to enthuse you and to encourage you and to strengthen you internally. There was a day that the word of God was the only thing between Jesus and the devil. And it's going to be the same for you and me. There is a day when the only thing that holds you firm, that keeps you straight, keeps your mind clear is the word of God in the worst day of trouble. That's what you need to have in you. And Jesus didn't say, oh, excuse me, hang on. I think it says something. He quoted it. It came out of him. Jesus had spent time in the word. We need to be the same. I've heard some people say, Greg, I hear you talking about oil, the oil of intimacy, but how do I get it? Crack open your Bible and just read. Spend some time. I want to say it again. Read it, write it, say it, pray it, meditate on it, sing it. Doesn't matter. Get the word of God in and around your life and you'll find that the anointing that's on the word will rub off on you. It'll rub off in your mind. It'll rub off in your heart. It'll stir your spirit to bold themes. That's exactly what God wants. Number two, if I'm managing input, I need to let my prayers be set out as incense. I need to be found often in the place of prayer. I need to be found bringing my incense, the incense of thanksgiving that says, Lord, thank you for your kindness, the remembrance of testimonies of what God has done. I need to come to this place of prayer along with my prayers and my petitions to offer up these things. Because in this place of prayer, while I'm sitting here in the presence of God, my heart and mind get aligned with the truth of God's word. Uh, the, the kingdom starts to massage my heart and I find that I get aligned into a correct view of things. This constant fragrance that is mine to lift before the throne. I don't want my incense, my little stick of incense to go out and, and there is no fragrance before the throne. Out of my life and out of your life, there needs to be this constant fragrance. Because when we do, when we come to the Lord in prayer, something is poured out into us. Understanding happens in the time of prayer. Peace comes in the time of prayer. Alignment with the purposes and the will of God comes in the time of prayer. And there is something about that that you can find nowhere else. You say, Greg, why? This sounds like legalism. Well, it's not legalism. I'm just giving you a wisdom point. Because if you want something to be filled back into your life, these are the places we need to go to get it. Philippians 4, verse 6 and 7, the famous scripture, it says, Don't be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God, and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, 
will guard your heart and your mind in Christ Jesus. This means that when I come often to prayer, a God of peace is set over my heart and mind. One of the most amazing fruits of this past season is I'm watching in people how quick they are to fear and anxiety, how soon they get muddled in their thinking, how quick their heart is to flutter and worry. And I'm just saying the anecdote, the, 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 the thing that the scripture says that we ought to be doing to fix all of that is to be found in this place of prayer. Friends, I know that there's been so much that's drawing out of you. I know that there's been fear has come to make demands on your life. I'm telling you a way to fix all of that. By prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your heart and your mind in Christ Jesus. The third thing I want to say, if you want to come and get the presence of God and the, and the glory of God poured back into you, is you and I need to let the presence of God be our balm. That means we have to withdraw to a place where we just sit in the presence of God. Sometimes sit in the presence of God. Sometimes meditate in the presence of God. Sometimes listen to worship or participate in worship. But I just need to engage myself in the presence of God. This beauty of me coming and saying, Father, I need you in my life. Just the ability to express my need and to whisper of my hunger and to call out. It's not even prayer per se. It's just the sharing of my heart. It's the fellowship of sharing in the sufferings. It's the supping together with him in the victories. It's the understanding that I get from the intimacy and the tenderness and the nearness of my God that somehow massively transforms everything inside of me. Somehow it aligns me with his heart. It settles me down and it pours oil into my life. I come out refreshed. And people say, but what did you do? I go, I, I can't even describe to you. Um, but I, I just know that when I spent this time in the presence of God, he filled me up. This means I have to slow down. I have to put the brakes on and the rest of the busyness of my life. At some time, I need to carve out a time. Uh, you go, oh, you don't understand my, my challenges. You don't understand the draws that are being made on you. I'm telling you, you don't understand the need that you have to carve out some time to be in the presence of God. Psalm 16, you will show me the path of life because in your presence, is fullness of joy and at your right hand there are pleasures forevermore. You want fullness of joy and pleasure in your life. It is found at the right hand of God. It's found in his presence. Make some time, carve out some time to get into his presence. There are many other things and we could go on and on and on all day about how to fill your life with the word of God. For some people it's worship. For some people it's walking in nature. For some people, it's serving other people. For some people, it's contemplative. Uh, there are many different pathways that you will find that God uses those to pour into your life, to recharge your batteries, to fill you up. Your job is to go and find which one of those works well for you or which four or five of them works well for you and make a deliberate attempt. You have to manage the input that's coming into your life. You have a God who stands eagerly at the door and knocks because he wants you to come in and sup with him. 
the, the fatness of a rich table has been laid out before you. He wants you to experience it. He came so that you could have life with a capital L, excessive and abundant life. But you have to manage the input in your life. He wants to hook you up to a fire hose. He doesn't want you just to have barely enough. He doesn't want you to be half filled. He wants you to be overflowing so that everybody you meet can drink from the resources that you have. So let's change from that. I just want to encourage you, be deliberate about managing input into your life. Be selfish almost because you absolutely need to fill your bucket in order for you to be able to minister. Uh, if, you, if you have nothing to give, you, you are of no use to yourself and you have no ministry left to give to other people. Make sure, on, not just selfishly for you, but on behalf of the, the rest of the body of Christ, that you are in overflow. Let's talk now about managing output. How do we manage what we give away? And I find that for us as believers, we, we have this nervousness about output because we, we kind of feel like, well, we have to. Didn't Jesus say we have to? Well, I think it's fascinating to see how many times the scriptures talk about Jesus withdrew himself from the crowds. And that's not something that is often taught. Mark 3, 7, Jesus withdrew with his disciples to the lake. Matthew 15, Jesus withdrew to the region of Tyre and Sidon. Matthew 14, Jesus heard this. He withdrew by boat privately to a solitary place. Matthew 12, aware of this, Jesus withdrew from that place. Luke 5, and this is my favorite one, Jesus often withdrew to lonely places where he prayed. Withdrawing is not a negative thing. Withdrawing from the, the correct things, the things that are bad or harmful to you, that is a helpful thing. And it's something that we need to cultivate. I need to learn how to withdraw from the wrong things. I need to learn how to withhold from what is draining me that God never sent. So if I'm going to manage output, I do it firstly by prioritizing what is important. Sitting underneath this idea is this that you, you can't say, well, I, I just have everything I need for the whole of the rest of my life for anybody who's coming. No, God is going to give you more than enough for his call on your life, which means that you have to be careful that you're not just engaging with other people. That's not part of God's agenda for your life. Withdrawing from evil or draining situations or people is tricky. It requires us to prioritize. Jesus said, get your priorities in order. You have to work this out in your own life. Uh, sometimes if we give people more time, that's not the answer for them because they, uh, they use that time unwisely. So instead of that time being a useful, profound gift, it becomes something that has been squandered. So a grand prioritization excuse me, of the kingdom of God is necessary uh, because by definition, when we prioritize the kingdom, we exempt our lives from certain unimportant issues. And if we're busy with such a great work, as Nehemiah said, when they tried to call him down off the work of the wall, he said, I'm busy with such a great work. I don't have time to come down off this wall. But let's make sure that the stuff that we're engaging ourselves with is that kind of busy. Nah, if I'm busy with things that are unimportant or a drainers, then I have more than enough time to let that come down off it. But Jesus said, Matthew 6, famous passage, you know it well. 
The pagan world runs after all these things and your heavenly father knows that you need these things, but you seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be given to you as well. The prioritization of the kingdom. And so I have to stop. I have to say, okay, what does the Lord ask of me? What is the Lord requiring of me right now? Because there is a great need. Jesus said the poor the needy, the, the, the people with their hand out asking for something from you, you will always have with you. And it's not a callousness closing up my heart to need, but it is an open-heartedness to the call of God on my life. And I need to be really clear about that. I am so sorry, but I have to go and be here now. So I manage output by prioritizing the kingdom. Secondly, I manage output by doing the will of God. Everything that the Lord has whispered directly to me and said, I want you to be doing it. There is always something redemptive, restorative in the work that God gives us to do. When you're doing what the Lord told you to do, it'll fuel something in you. It'll encourage you in your tiredness. It'll celebrate your call. It'll enthuse your spirit. Uh, It's like that happy feeling at the end of the day when you've had a great day. You've accomplished a lot. You're tired, but you move the ball downfield. It's a good feeling. Now, uh, you and I need to be prioritizing and to, to set up in our heart, that's what the Lord told me to do, and, and get out there, and I'm going to go and do that thing that the Lord said. I'm going to go do the thing that's, that, that the Lord has commanded me to, not necessarily the thing that is in front of me right now. And you'll experience the thrill of adventure and the excitement of the supernatural breaking out into your life. Sometimes in my life, I've discovered that the healing comes when I go and do the work of God. Luke 17, 14, he said to them, there was a group of people who were sick and they had leprosy. And they stood at a fire and said, Jesus, heal us. And he said, go and show yourself to the priests. And the Bible says, and as they went, they were cleansed. There is some uh, beauty that God is going to do. So even in the obedience, even in the ministry, even in the giving out, you'll find that something comes back to you. So you you and I need to prioritize what it is that the Lord has required of us. Just recently, Michelle and I took a big board, drew up uh, what Stephen Covey had suggested in Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. He said, draw yourself a graph of what is urgent and what's important and I I discovered that there are some things that are both urgent and important. There are some things that are urgent but not important. There are some things that are important but not necessarily urgent. And there are some things that are neither urgent nor important. And we wrote out on little sticky notes about everything that we felt like the Lord had called us to do, everything that is our responsibility, everything we're doing, and we put them somewhere. Is this urgent or is this important? Is this and, and I discovered something uh, a little to my chagrin is that my, my important but not urgent uh, quadrant is jam-packed with things that little whispers from God. I think he said, I want you to do this. I want you to go there. I want you to be producing more of this. I want you to be doing that. And I found that because they, they don't have that sense of urgency on them, it's not like they, there is a squeaky oil that's getting, squeaky wheel is getting all the oil. These are things that the Lord has whispered to me in secret places, but they, they haven't had that sense of urgency. 
And I just had to just go, Lord, I'm, I'm so sorry. And I've started to prioritize into my calendar space the important things that are not urgent. And just say, but this is, this is vitally important for us. This is vitally important for us as a church. It's important for the call of God on our lives. This is important for what God says is coming. And so I've had to start going, okay, I'm going to prioritize this. I am going to learn to manage this output because I can't just be running around doing whatever. I have to be doing the will of God. For my life and so do you. Thirdly, we manage the output by learning to say no to the wrong things. Some of us need to learn to say no. It's as simple as that to bad things. Obviously, obviously, sin we need to say no to. Because sin is the biggest drainer. It'll suck the resources out of you. It'll drain the life right out of you if you let it. We have to learn to say no to sin. But we have to learn, obviously, and we have to learn to say no to some other things that present as good, but are actually draining us. And when you find that out, go, this thing's draining me. I need to say no to this. Dr. Henry Cloud, in his great book, Boundaries, which I recommend, said, if our inability to say no to bad things is pervasive, not only does that keep us from refusing evil in our lives, but it often keeps us from even recognizing evil. Be careful that you have, have let this no lag. We need to resurrect the no to bad things. We need to say no, obviously, to sin, but we also need to say no to situations that God never called us into, or situations that are trying to trap us, or situations that are trying to drain us. And we need to learn to say no to people who encroach on our peace or make unrealistic demands. Um, and we need to learn how to say no. I'm not under the commission of God to reach this person at this time. In Luke 7, there's this interesting scripture where Jesus He's talking about the generation, and he's semi-frustrated with them. They were frustrated with Jesus. And so he said, to what shall I compare this people of this generation? What are they like? They're like children sitting in the marketplace and calling out to each other. We played a pipe for you, and you did not dance. We sang a dirge, and you did not cry. They were saying, doesn't matter what we do. We played a happy song, you didn't dance. We played a sad song, you didn't cry. We can't get this Jesus to do what we want him to do. We can't get him to move. We can't get him to do what we think is obvious. His brothers and sisters came to him. Like, if you're wanting to start a ministry, go to Jerusalem and go be bold. And Jesus said, no, I'm staying for a while. People couldn't get Jesus to do what they wanted him to do. They wanted to make him king. He slipped away from the crowd. There was a frustration in the generation because people were just looking for the buttons where they could manipulate Jesus. Where is the button? Where do I control him? And they did not understand that the buttons of his heart were already in the Father's hands. Jesus said, I love my Father. I do whatever he tells me. And you and I, friends, need to be the same. We need to come to a place where Jesus... Jesus holds the, the strings of our heart and we go, Lord, I have given my heart to you. You let me know what you want me to do. And anybody else who comes against that, you're free to say no to. Graciously, kindly, no. But it's a firm no. Let's wrap this whole thing up. We're all sitting in a place where the last three, two and a half years have, have just really plugged in and, and started to draw as much nutrient as it can, emotional reserve, psychological reserves, spiritual reserves, um, friendships, uh, <clears throat> fellowship, a lot of things. And a lot of people right now are seeming to be tired, 
not quite the same verb, not quite the same eagerness to step up and say, I'm going to make a difference in the kingdom. I want to say, join us as we manage the input of our lives. Go seeking the Lord. Go seeking his presence. Go finding a resource that will pour millions and millions and millions of gallons of refreshing into your life. And learn how to manage the output of your life. Do what the Lord is telling you to do. And you'll find this renewable resource in you. Because God has dreamed a dream for you that includes you living a full life and bearing much eternal fruit. That's the simple word of God. He wants you to live an abundant life and bearing a great deal of eternal fruit. That's God's dream for you. The way you and I can co-labor with him, can respond to that dream as we manage what, what he pours in and what we give out. Let me pray with you. Father, I pray that you would teach us how to do this in profound ways. I'm asking, Lord, that you would show everybody who's been sitting and listening to this, that you would provoke them, Holy Spirit, that you'd whisper to them, that you would spark creative ideas, and that, Lord, from this moment onwards, a significant change happens in the lives of every person who's hungry to hear what you have to say. Transform lives, I pray, Lord, because of this time, and let your voice and your kindness be their watchword. And in Jesus' name, amen.